Eagles Entertainment. Everything that moves, I don't care who it is. Let's go. Give me everything you got. Play fast, play hard. Let's beat these boys tonight in their house. Go. It's party time. It's party time. Let's go. You are listening to the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. Now here's your host, Brand Duffy. That's right of the day. We've got a fun win to break down as the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast continues. I'm Fran Duffy, and as always, I think we've got a great show for you here on episode number 495. At the top of today's show, we've got Chalk Talk, where I chat with my friend Greg Cosell about our biggest takeaways from the Eagles' win on both sides of the football. We've got a lot to talk about from the Eagles' defense, the adjustments they made up front and on the back end, our thoughts on Jalen Hurts, our thoughts on the run game, and a whole lot more before we dive into this week's matchup against the Buffalo Bills. Now, before we get started, as always, a little bit of housekeeping, head over to Apple Podcasts, rate, review, subscribe. Appreciate everybody that has left us comments and questions over on that Apple Podcast feed. If you get a chance, that is the best way uh, to say thanks to us uh, for uh, for if, you, if you're a longtime listener. So appreciate that uh, from everybody that has done that. We are answering questions every single week here on the podcast. Also, I want to make sure we tease our All-22 review. By the time you are listening to this podcast, you go over to the Eagles YouTube page. A lot of the plays that we, uh, Greg and I are discussing here in this segment uh, are going to be over on the Eagles YouTube page. You can go and watch uh, the film just like I did today. Uh, some of my, my five favorite plays, and it ended up being probably like uh, nine or ten plays total, but five key plays that helped lead uh, to the Eagles' victory out at Arrowhead Stadium against the Super Bowl champs. So uh, make sure you go check that out. If you like this podcast, you'll like the All-22 review. Uh, appreciate all those that are able to go and uh, give me a click over on the Eagles YouTube page. That said, let's head over to our chat with Greg Cosell. It's time for Chalk Talk. Let's get down to business. It's time for Chalk Talk. All right, so we've been through the tape on both sides of the ball. We've watched the Buffalo Bills against the New York Jets. We've got a lot to cover here as I welcome in Greg Cosell for Chalk Talk. Greg, uh, I want to start you off with a stat. Uh, this is from Jeff Kerr from CBS. Uh, did a great job. This was a, a stat that went viral uh, on Sunday after the Eagles, or on Monday night, rather, after the Eagles beat the Chiefs. Jalen Hurts has won seven straight games when the team has been trailing by 10-plus points. That is the most by any quarterback in the NFL since the stat was first tracked in 1991. No other quarterback has more than four straight. Uh, uh, To me, like it's it's an example of this quarterback and this team consistently finding ways to win, uh, the resiliency and the toughness and all the intangibles, like the stuff that we can't always see on the tape. Uh, I feel sure. like that's a stat that is very well representative uh, of uh, of that number. No, I mean, it's 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 an amazing stat. And, and I think the other amazing stat, which I'm not sure a lot of people probably realize how amazing this is. Tell me if I'm wrong, but hasn't Jalen Hurts regular season games? Okay, you know, obviously – Hasn't he, isn't he 26 and one in his last 27 regular season starts? Yeah. He's only, he's lost two regular season starts in the last two seasons. Right. So, I mean, so I think he's 26 and one in the last 27. I think that's correct. Is that. I would say it's something along those lines. Yeah. I don't have the number in front of me. Something along those lines. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's look, you can always say, well, gee, it's not just Jalen hurts. And of course it's not, but that is a pretty remarkable statistic. Um, and uh, no, it's it's and and I think last the game, you know, last night was uh, Monday night was 
very exemplary of just what you were speaking about because, uh, you know, they certainly did not play their best football on the offensive end. No, I mean, look, the, the first half ended and just kind of going through the numbers at the time. And there were some that they shared in the broadcast, but I mean, they were, they were 0 for 3 on third down. It was three sacks, right? It was uh, five completions and five sacks total in the first half. So yep. it was uh, it was not a pretty performance on offense. Uh, defensively, there were things you liked, but clearly, clear, you know, giving up 10 points uh, because of uh, short fields and special teams, missed tackles and things like that. Well, now all of a sudden you, uh, you're you down 17-7 at half. Uh, it was not a, a pretty game uh, in the first two quarters. And then they come back uh, and find a way after after halftime uh, to to chip away at that lead and find a way to be able to come out with a victory. Yeah. And, you know, look, every game has its ups and downs. I'm sure if you're a Chiefs fan, you're saying, oh, well, Kelsey, you know, he fumbles in the red zone and um, and Valdez Scantling drops a short touchdown. I mean, you know, games all have ups and downs like that. Um, And you know what? When all said and done you play the game and it plays out the way it plays out. You know, I'm sure the Eagles feel that they had a lot of plays that didn't work out in their favor as well. No question. And that's the thing is, you know, you go back and you watch it and there are certainly individual moments where we can point point to uh, uh, on either side of that. Right. But, um, you know, let's go through what we saw uh, on the tape. Uh, and again, it was not the the prettiest start offensively. And we'll start on that side of the football. Uh, the the Chiefs, I thought, did some really good things schematically uh, to attack the Eagles. We saw a lot of late disguise, not necessarily like safety rotations and things like that. But, Greg, I don't know if you saw like up front, uh, the, the Chiefs had a lot of late movement, very very late in the pre-snap phase uh, where, you know, because you see like when when teams are on the road, you get into that silent count and the Eagles are big on, uh, you know, basically like uh, right. the, the offensive guard looking back. And that's that's kind of sets the timing uh, of the snap. Uh, and the, the Chiefs had that timing down and were able to kind of do some uh, do some different things to do some late rotations, change the front up. And we saw a lot of miscommunication up front because of it. Yeah, and I think that that's, you know, one thing you count on when you're the home team in a very loud stadium. Yeah. Um, you know, the other thing I think that that Steve Spagnuolo, I think he's the best in the NFL doing this. I think he's the best at deploying defensive backs as blitzers. Yes. Um, yeah. And, you know, at times they're part of five-man pressures. Other times they're they're the fourth rushers in zone exchange. Pressure schemes are simulated pressures, as people often like to call them. Um, and I just think he's the best in the league. And, and the other thing that often goes with that – and it, it happened this past week as well, is he, he has a, um, you know, a, a TE stunt on the same yep. side of the edge pressure by a defensive back, which softens the corner, you know, and allows the defensive back to, you know, to, to develop some speed and velocity. I don't think there's anybody who does that better than Spagnolo. No, and that's something you know you and I talked about last week, and we saw it. I mean, two of their two of their three sacks in the first half, uh, or sorry, two two of the thir- three third down sacks in the first half, I should say, happened on plays that looked exactly like that, where you had Trent McDuffie coming off the corner, you had a <clears throat> you had a TE stunt uh, yeah. on that side uh, with the end looping inside, and it created a a big play uh, for the defense. But uh, what I liked after that, I was going through some numbers uh, before we came on. Jalen Hurts was pressured one time in the second half. So after all of those issues that they had, and there's multiple reasons for that, right? Uh, you know, obviously the, the screen game, they, they said, you know what, we're, we're going to take uh, this blitz package out. We're going to completely uh, kind of throw them back and kind of back them off a little bit right. with all the different screens uh, that we saw. And certainly the run game and the, the draw game, uh, the quarterback run game, a lot of other elements kind of worked uh, in that favor just to kind of back that blitz off. Yeah. And, and, 
You know, it's it's hard. I mean, I think when teams see pressures, usually good teams, and the Eagles are obviously a very, very good team. When good teams see something, you know, it doesn't work all the time. You know, so once you see it, you have a better feel for it. Yep. There are pre-snap indicators that, you know, look, they've got a ton of coaches up in the box. Every team does, obviously. And they start to notice, hey, when we see this guy over here, that's 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 an indicator that something's happening. So, you know, you, you start to be aware of that. Um, you know, I thought on the first play of the second, second quarter possession, they caught Jalen and he did a really good job of throwing an incompletion, which was the best play because mm. they, they went sort of a peak trap concept to the yes. boundary. I'm sure you remember this play. Yep. If he had thrown that, that out to Smith, Pick six. it would have been picked off for a touchdown. Yep. And he saw it, you know, I, I don't know when he saw it, but he saw it, whether he saw it quickly or late. And there was only one thing to do. And that was to throw it in the ground for an incompletion. So that was the smartest play to make on that particular, uh, you know, a uh, rep. And, and th- that was really good. Yeah, and I thought that there was, uh, you know, Nick Sirianni talked after the game about the the one pre-snap read as well, which is the the forty-one yard catch uh, to Devonte Smith in the fourth quarter that helped set up the go-ahead touchdown. Uh, and let's talk about it really quickly. I don't know if you have your notes in front of you from that play, but um, yeah, I do. Yeah, so they, that was a, a big completion, an important completion. In your mind, what did Jalen Hurts see before the snap that caused him to audible into that slot fade for Devonte Smith? Um, well. I think he clearly saw how they were mapping out the coverage because don't forget that was the safety Edwards who ended up playing him. Um, so, you know, it was um, Smith Smith is when they go empty um, Smith is uh, they were actually, they were two by two. They had, they, they weren't empty, but it was, yeah, 10, it was 10, personnel. 10 personnel. Yep. Yep. It was 10 personnel, which I think they did 10 or 11 times in the game. Yes. It was 10 personnel, but Smith, when he's in the slot is almost always in the slot to the boundary. Um, we've seen that, you know, going back to last year, he was inside of Brown on this particular play. The chiefs had a, a, a nickel five man pressure. So they had a, they had single high safety, but it was more of a zone match than man. And I think he clearly saw how they were mapping out the coverage because Edwards was the player who was over, you know, essentially going to be over Smith. And, you know, I think he, he saw that now maybe there's more to it. You know, there's, there's five other things that could have happened that maybe you, you know, more than I do, but, but I mean, he, Smith just ran the slot fade against the safety. Who's not going to be able to run with him. Yeah, he had, uh, you know, you had Edwards out there and you had Willie Gay out there before the Willie Gay was kind of walked out. Uh, yeah, yep. Okay, at this point, you, know, you kind of get a sense of Willie Gay is probably blitzing here uh, and uh, you're going to get a one-on-one matchup, like you said, with with Devontae one-on-one. Yeah, well, Willie Gay is not going to match up to Smith, so he's not out there to, to cover Devontae Smith. No, at worst, yeah. you're talking about a potential reroute situation, but right, right, like right. Devontae's got room to work outside and run away from that uh, if that were the case. So there was a good read there and a great ball, uh, Devontae coming down with it to set up the go-ahead touchdown. Um, you mentioned really quickly that when they go empty or when they go into those two-by-two two sets with Devontae Smith in the slot, he is very often to the, that is often to the boundary side. Yeah, yeah. What, we've seen this with other coaches and with other receivers in the past, star receivers. What is it about putting it to the boundary that is advantageous for the offense? Oh, that's a great question because it's funny when Goddard's healthy and, and they go two by two, uh, Goddard and Brown are always on the same side together. Right. Yep. Uh, so um, so Smith is, is almost always the slot to the boundary. We've seen a lot of slot fades. Um, you know, I actually saw it's funny. You know, you probably watch a lot of this stuff, too. I actually saw a a great thing with Nick Saban talking about slot fades being just 
so much better than regular fades just mm. because there's so much more That's room. Crazy. Sure. You know, I don't know if you saw this, you know, say been yeah. talking about it. Um, but it was really, really good how we, you know, and it, it's not complicated stuff. But, you know, I just think it gives you a lot more room to work. It gives you it it, it, it just it gives the quarterback a lot more room as well, because right. you want know, to you want to have room on the outside. You know, one of the things we often see from young, inexperienced wide receivers, if they're going to run just a true go route or a fade ball and they're running it outside the numbers, how often do we see them just say stay so close to the sideline that they don't give the quarterback any room to drop the ball in the bucket? I mean, he literally has no margin for error. Whereas a slot yep. fade, you have a much larger margin for error. But we've seen Smith on slot fades numerous times going back to last year. Wasn't was wasn't the Giants touchdown a slot yeah, fade? Fourth down, fourth down against the Giants. Fourth he saw down against the Giants yep. where Julian Love almost got there. Yep. And I think wasn't that a check as well? That was a check as well, a pre-snap check from uh, from Jalen. Yeah, Hurt. yeah. So I mean, this is something. There's something about Smith being in this in the slot. Um, in, in in you know two by twos probably empty as well that that they feel gives Jalen some kind of read based on the defense. Yeah, I, I think too. You know, typically if you're going to be to the boundary, uh, the nickel corner will be to the field because you're going to have yeah. that's going yeah. to be seen as more the pass strength. So you might get that's a more a favorable point. matchup. Whether it might be the yeah. linebacker, we've seen that when they're in empty sets, yeah. right? Or if it's going to be in a, a two by two, then you might get that safety uh, rolled down into the short no, side. That's of a the great field. point. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so they, no, they got yeah, the favorable they matchup personnel, there. So it, there was no, I mean, in a sense, you have to pick which side you think is the passing strength. And most yep. teams would pick the, the field as opposed to the boundary. Uh, the other aspect in, in this, in terms of in talking about Jalen, is the, the QB run game. A lot of designed quarterback runs uh, here in this game. Certainly the the touchdown being one of them. The Not the go-ahead touchdown, but the one that brought them within one score. Uh, but we saw that, that was a QB sweep play. We saw numerous QB draws. Uh, obviously, they, like the brotherly shoves aside, uh, the return of the QB run game. I would take that as a good sign of uh, of Jalen Hurts' uh, health. Obviously, you know you think this, the knee is not going to be a hundred percent, but it's got to be a good sign if they were willing to say, "All right, let's let's really kind of stretch these legs out and, and put the QB run game into the game plan this week." And that didn't surprise me at all because, as you may remember from the Super Bowl, in the first half alone, he had ten design runs for fifty-two yards in the Super Bowl against yeah. the Chiefs. So they knew that that was an effective way to attack the defense. And that was something I had spoken about before the game. Um, and you know, I didn't know how his knee situation was, so I couldn't say for sure they would do it, but clearly that's a tactic they believe was necessary against the chiefs. Yeah, it was a, a big part. And it's, I mean, it started early on. We saw them audibling into uh QB oh, design yeah. runs and uh, you know, just seeing that throughout the game. I think, again, that's a, a really good sign for Jalen hurts and his health overall. Um, real quickly, the other big thing I want to hit on with the offense, uh, we mentioned like you know, we saw what was it eleven or twelve snaps of ten personnel. Uh, we saw four or five snaps of the pony sets. Uh, we yeah. saw Devontae Smith and Alameda Zacchaeus in the backfield. A lot of that, obviously, from a personnel standpoint. Okay, we're trying to get our best players on the field uh, in in place of Dallas Goddard because there's no Goddard out in the field. But they also ran a lot of those same concepts that we typically would see with Goddard, where instead of it being all right, Goddard's on the uh, on the wing or on the backside hip and running a slide route to the flat. Well, now that's Zacchaeus coming from the, from the backfield or Devontae Smith right, coming right. from the backfield. Uh, so just creative ways to get to the same old concepts uh, with different players. I thought that was uh, that was kind of interesting as well. And which isn't surprising coming off a of bye week. 
Um, right, no doubt. You know, and obviously Swift's longest run, the 35-yarder, that came out of 21 pony, where yep. Scott was the eye back and Swift, you know, jet action on the handoff. Um, really well done, well executed with stolen by a lot of the lead blockers out in front. I thought that was a really nice wrinkle. Um, and it obviously they worked. set that up like three times because they gave it to Scott like three times yeah, before yeah. that as well. So uh yeah. they were they really teed that up really well. Yeah, no, I, I thought they did some really nice things with the uh, the use of personnel and formations, and you're just gonna see more of that. I mean, that's that's I think good teams do that as the year progresses. Yeah. Let's go over to the other side because uh, I think there's a lot to talk about with the Eagles defense and their execution here against the Kansas City Chiefs. A lot of film to get through uh, because the Eagles defense, they play, or the Eagles offense, uh, I think it was 56 snaps and we saw like th- two brotherly shoves and three three or four kneel downs in there. So uh, it was really down to under 50 snaps. So that meant that the other side of the ball was extensive and a lot to take away. What, what was your biggest thing just kind of walking away from the film this morning? Uh, my biggest thing was I thought that Sean Desai did a great job. He was really multiple with his coverage concepts. Yes. A lot of yep. different looks for Mahomes and not just Mahomes. It's the younger receivers mm. trying to cause just a beat of hesitation, not, you know, not just for Mahomes, but in Mahomes processing with the receivers because they've got to think through route adjustments based on coverage. I, I just, that was my, probably my number one take. There's obviously micro stuff to talk yes. about, but but I thought that Sean Desai really, and this is where a bye week comes into play. And when you're playing a great quarterback, you you know, and and young receivers, you've got to have you're able to do more things, and you've got to be able to do more things. Um, but yeah, I thought he really, really did a lot of things in this game, and that's why it took me so long to get through it. Greg, it's like you read something right from my notes because it literally is the first bullet and like my first take. I always try and write like all right, three or four takeaways. Uh, right, after right, right. The tape. And the first thing for me was the the complexity of this defense yeah, is, in yeah. its multi- is in its multiplicity, right? It's because yeah. of all the things that they do. Uh, it's just tough to prepare for. And I thought a great example of that, not to like fast forward to the end of the game. But it's the it's got to have a situation for Kansas City. It's uh, the 12th drive of the game. They need to go score. Right. And it's first down. They come, the Eagles come out dime personnel. So they got 60 B's out on the field and they played dime that entire drive. It was like a, a 10 play, yeah, eight play drive. Right, they played play 22 drive. snaps of dime in the game. They a lot of dime, especially on third down. But in this drive, they played it the entire time. Yeah, and so yeah. the first, the first rep, they come out, they play a version of cover three next snap. Same personnel grouping. We're going to play one robber. Next next snap, different grouping. We're going to blitz and play straight cover one. Next snap, same personnel grouping. One double on Travis Kelsey. Next snap, same grouping. Play cover four. Next snap, same grouping. Cover two. Right? There's all these different – literally like yeah. five or six different plays – five or six different coverages from the same personnel grouping. If you're Mahomes, you're the receivers, you're, you don't know what is going to happen in terms of like what, what you're uh, the, the, all of the uh, tendencies that you had before. Yeah, there's, no, there's no tendency. There. There's no tendency. And, and he was certainly not afraid to play zero. Yes, not at all. They that was actually one of the things, and I was I was hoping that my numbers would turn up a little bit better than this. Uh, I was looking; it, it felt like they blitzed Mahomes a lot more than normal. Uh, now, the charting services, you know, we know this it can be a little bit wishy washy with blitz numbers in terms of like uh, yeah. like five man rushes and things like that. But it was it was kind of startling to me, especially in the second half, how often they blitzed Mahomes because that's always like been a big thing. It's like, oh, if you blitz Mahomes a lot, it usually doesn't go well. Uh, but in this game, I thought that they were really effective with their blitzes. Yeah, they certainly were. And I think there were six snaps of zero, if I'm not mistaken. Um, And it started early in the game. I think it might have been the second play. I mean, it was very early in the game. 
Yeah. Um, I'm going to look at my notes because I made a note of it. Um, let's see. Uh, yeah, they play away yeah, cover it was, zero it was, second play. It was on Reddick sack on the second play of the game. Yep. They, uh, yeah, they had zero concept behind a six-man pressure. Blankenship dropped down to match Kelsey. Valdez scaling. Well, it was funny. Valdez scaling easily ran by Bradbury on that play, but but Reddick made the sack. Yep. Um, you know, and um, and even the way they mix personnel. I mean, you know, Roby played the majority of snaps as this nickel slot or the slot, uh, but when they went to third down, it was almost always Ricks playing the slot. Um, so you know, just the way they they mixed personnel, the way they mixed coverages, uh, there was a lot going on here. That is, you know, like you said, there was no real tendency, and that's hard to decipher. Yeah, uh, and you know, how often have we seen, you know, on third down? It's funny because you and I, we we talk every single after every single game, and it's like, oh, I love what they did on third down against the Dolphins, where they come out in these in these double mug looks with two linebackers over right, the right. gap, and they drop out and they play cover two behind it. They haven't done this before, and then they they do it a bunch, and you know, that that game and the next game and the, the game after that, and then what do they do here in this game? They come out and double mug uh, the first three times. They send both guys, and it's a, a zero blitz or it's a five man yeah. pressure. Uh, so just constantly changing things up. It's it's really refreshing. It's it's fun to be able to watch this defense. No, I mean that's he did a decide did a great great job. I thought. I mean, just you know, and again, that's coaching because when you change up like that, there can't be mistakes. Right. Um, and and you know, obviously they didn't. You know, I don't. I don't. I'm sure that there's mistakes when they chart every player. You know, you and I are not in. We we. It took me a long time, and I'm sure it took you a long time. But it's not like having 20 coaches go through it. You know, right. so I'm sure there were mistakes made. But um, but overall, I mean, that's what really stood out to me. Just the multiplicity of what he did. And you made a great point on that. You were talking about the final drive, the right? Final drive, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, that's that's tough. You know, and the other thing, you know, this was from a Chiefs perspective and something that is a big concern for them is, and it helped the Eagles tremendously, is, you know, their tackles cannot pass protect 101, certainly not against yep. quality edge pass rushers. So how many times did we see Kelsey be used as a chipper, which means he's not a primary mm -hmm. route runner, and that just helps the Eagles. Um, right. And, you know, I, I got the impression with Mahomes, and I think this has been the case all year to a certain extent. I got the sense watching the tape that Mahomes played this game very conscious of the fact that his O tackles can't protect one on one, you know, and, and the inability of them to do that forces them to chip because they chipped an awful lot. And that just changes everything about your pass game. Yeah, I think that that's, a, that's actually a really good point. I haven't even thought about that from a Kelsey standpoint, uh, that kind of preventing him from getting out into the route. I oh, do yeah, because then uh, he's not a primary route runner then yeah. because he's not releasing freely into his routes, so he becomes a secondary route runner, and, you know, that obviously helps the Eagles. And as you know, there were numerous snaps, you know, uh, some on third down, some depending on field location, where they had clear, whether you want to call it brackets, doubles, whatever you want to call it, yep. but where it, it was dedicated that they were going to deal with Kelsey with two players. Yeah, they uh, right now the Eagles, and again, we talk about like all oh, double teaming a player, whether it's Justin Jefferson or CeeDee Lamb or Cooper Cup, you know, we go down the list, Tyree Kill, uh, and the Eagles have seen all these guys over the course of this season. Uh, you're, you're doubling a player, I don't know, like on average, like, uh, if if it's a great player, with two or three times a game, like right, like something like that, the Eagles right. did a bunch in this game. Oh no Travis question, Kelsey. Uh, it was. Again, it was like, I, I don't think you know they were playing a team where I don't think they were necessarily worried about the the other receivers. But the other factor, which I'm sure you noticed, and they did this all game essentially, um, was um, 
Darius Slay was the boundary corner and James Bradbury was the field corner. They yep. didn't play right and left like they normally do. And, you know, Bradbury was the boundary, excuse me, uh, Slay was the boundary. Bradbury was the uh, the field. The only time that they didn't do that was when the Chiefs lined up in one by three sets with Kelsey as the single receiver. Right. Then they didn't do that. But but other than that, Slay was the boundary corner. Yeah, oh, that's a good point. And, to, and I wonder if they're going to continue to do that because Bradbury has struggled a bit in coverage and uh, and Slay is still their best cover guy. And that boundary corner gets a lot more one-on-one matchups. Yeah, and again, just kind of speaking to just understanding your personnel and, and yeah. rotating guys oh, yeah. in and putting them in position to succeed. I think it's a really good point. I thought this was, you know, for a young coordinator, Sean Desai is not old and he's not been doing this for 30 years. I just thought that, the whole approach and the teaching of the approach because, and it's not just to it's the entire defensive staff. And I'm yes. sure, you know, a lot of the guys from work you do down, you know, at the Eagles, but you have to teach all that. Now, granted you had extra time. It's a buy, but still you have to teach it. I mean, you know, when you're playing five different coverages in high leverage, critical situations on five consecutive plays, you know, one guy can't make a mistake because yep. then maybe it's a 70 yard touchdown. You know, so, you know, I give a ton of credit to the staff as well. Uh, one guy that stood out as well. I mean, Kevin Byard had his first interception uh, as an Eagle. And, you know, there, there wasn't like the, the best throw in the world, but I thought it was a good read on the ball. But he also had a couple other plays as well that deterred. Well, he was the matchup on Kelsey literally the whole game. Yeah, I mean that's the thing is that you know, he was he was put in a spot where he had to match up on Kelsey one on one numerous times, uh, and then in zone coverage he took away a couple of throws as well. I thought it was uh, an impressive outing from Kevin Byer. The other guy that stood, I mean, I didn't want to steal your thunder, but the guy, my, my man, Milton Williams. Milton Williams, he was awesome. I, I literally like, you know, as I'm putting together the all twenty two review clip for for YouTube, I was like, all right, the, none of these Milton Williams plays are going to stand out as like the uh, a top five play from the game, but I'm just going to send a bunch of these over to Ben for Ben to be able to draw up so that I can post this because I mean uh, he Milton. Was, Milton was awesome. Yeah, he was outstanding, yeah. especially you know, particularly against the run, uh, which we can get to because the the run game um, was a bit of a thorn in the in the defensive side throughout the most of the, most of the night. What were what were your thoughts uh, just on what the Chiefs approach? Well, they had the three three long runs in which they didn't set the edge. Yeah, and and that was those again. Those to me were the main runs. Um, I, I don't remember each run in detail, but. Uh, whoever was supposed to set the edge did not set the edge. I mean, I think on the 24-yarder early in the game, which yep. might have been on the first uh, – second possession second, maybe? Second, possession, possession. Second, second play of the second possession, yep. You know, I think Reddick went too far inside on that one. Yep. He, I think he was the edge setter on that one. Um, some of the others, I was – you know, I, I had a feel for who I thought made the mistake. But I – you know, again, I don't want to say because I don't know for sure. And I'm not looking to say somebody made a mistake if it wasn't that person. But the bottom line is – there were three runs. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire had one. Pacheco had another. I mean, there were three long runs where they clearly did not set the edge. Yeah, and there was one run. I mean, there were a couple of run concepts that they were able to hit for some of those chunk plays. Um, but one in particular was that that twenty-four yarder that you described uh, for Pacheco. Or yeah, Reddick definitely uh, cheated inside a little bit. But there was a yeah. reason why he snuck inside. It was kind of a, a it was a sneaky run where you know you have the running back in the shotgun, and let's say he's you know shotgun to the right. Well, that's probably going to be a zone run, zone run play to the left. Well, uh, the offensive line actually works opposite. 
and the running back steps initially as if he's going to go to the left and then puts his foot in the ground and breaks the opposite way. So Reddick, at the snap of the ball, he sees it. It's like, okay, this is zone run away. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna play over the top right, of this right, and right. chase this from the backside, uh, only for then then to cut back. It was a really nice counter run play uh, that they were able to hit. I mean, I, I've got it a few times here in my notes that uh, it went for 24 yards there on, the, on that drive. I see a 12 yarder by Pacheco in the uh, middle of the second quarter. Uh, they ran it, uh, I think, three or four times overall in the course of the game, and a couple of them were able to hit. Uh, they ran a couple crack tosses as well that went for over 10 plus yards. So again, where they kind of lost the edge, and I think a couple of those uh, certainly they would like to have back. But um, oh, sure, yeah, you know. And then see, that's the thing when a guy like like even uh, you, you talk about Reddick on, on on that play because he thought it was going away, but he's still he, if it did go away, he's not a primary run support guy. No, right, exactly. So I'm sure, you know, the coach would say, you know, you just have to do your job. Yep, exactly. No, but it, it, but it, they're human beings. He sees it go away and he wants to go make a play. You know, yes. we get all that. No, and that, I mean, that's the that's the point of the call, right? It's like, uh, right. You know, it's one of that to me, like a lot of those runs when I went back and saw there are a few of them. I was like, OK, those, that's one of those like tip of the cap plays. Like, all right, you got us on that one. Uh, you know, let's see how they adjust. Now, I thought they had, they made some good adjustments in the second half where uh, after that, it was kind of like, all right, look, when they do, you know, make sure you keep your eyes on your luggage uh, and, you know, don't bite for some of these uh, the, those yeah. initial play side fakes. Um, so they were able to uh, to counter well off of that in the second half. Um I don't think I have any other notes uh, from. Yeah, the, I, I, I mean, you know, look. If you're a Chiefs fan, you you know you say that hey, we should have won the game because Kelsey fumbled and you know Valdez Scantling dropped. I mean, you know that's what you say. But at the end of the day, talking about the process of how to play, I just thought Sean Desai did a great job. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, the rush uh, was able to pressure Mahomes. Uh, the, the pressure rate was there. Certainly, he's just yeah. I mean, he's tough to get to the ground. We talked about that last week. But uh, I, I thought the defense. You know, their uh, longest pass play was only 17 yards. 17 yards. Yeah, it was. Uh, I think that, it happened that was, that was a ridiculous times, throw. But... It was a ridiculous throw to Watson on the the third down. It was that was against the blitz as well, um, where he yeah. was where Watson was matched up one on one with Sidney Brown, uh, and he ran a deep corner. I was a great ball from home. Oh, that was that was his best throw. Of the, I mean, except maybe for the last one that Valdez yeah. Scantling dropped. But uh, but yeah, that was that was a really good throw by Mahomes. All right. Well, let's. Uh, well, I'm sure there are other things that will come up as we're talking about this upcoming matchup here against the Buffalo Bills. Uh, I want to start with the Bills' offensive side. Well, because we'll keep talking about the Eagles' defense here. Yeah, the Bills' offensive, the Bills' defense is not really that. I know that detailed. It's a tough, right, it's know, a tough one to talk about too, just because of their injuries and everything. So yeah, yeah, it's uh, a tough thing to talk about. Yeah, I yeah. agree. Uh, I'm happy to start on this side of the ball, though. So, um, you know, look, Josh Allen, you know, this is a team that was in the news last week. They fire their offensive coordinator, Ken Dorsey. They promote Joe Brady to be the play caller. There's all kinds of, uh, you know, talk about, all right, well, what's what's going on with this team? Uh, the turnovers are there. You know, is Josh Allen, uh, you know, is it is he like turning back into a pumpkin? The, the, the discourse on it. Was kind of exhausting because the, I mean, Josh Allen is one of the best quarterbacks in football. Yes, I would agree. I would agree, uh, especially going, going through the tape last week. Uh, after that, he got fired. I believe on Tuesday, Ken Dorsey and I was watching Bills Wednesday and Thursday. Uh, you know, watching so much of that offense, like yeah, like you know, the, the offense is in pretty good shape. Yeah, like there are turnovers that went the other way that uh, you know, you'd like to let some of them to not happen. Uh, but I don't know that that was like necessarily like a coaching or like a quarterback issue. Even a lot of the times, uh, just things that you know, correctable mistakes. I would agree with that. And you know, keep one thing in mind. They had two games this year, New England and what was the other one? Um, it was more recent. Wasn't the Jets, obviously, they won. Was it Denver? 
Well, the point is, yeah, that, 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 was the game, that was the game after that was the game on Monday night where, they were, uh, you know, they made the change in offensive coordinator after that. Right. But but they had two games. New England, I know, was one where they went ahead with less than two minutes to go and the defense did not hold up. Now, yeah. let's say the defense held up and they were seven and three as opposed to five and five. Would anybody be having these conversations? Yeah. I mean, if the if they don't have 12 men on the field for uh, the field goal unit last week. Well, that's what. It, yeah. Denver, yeah. Yeah. I mean. But yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah let's say, yeah, that so, right, and they went ahead in that game, you know, right, exactly. So, again, the, Josh Allen is a certain kind of quarterback, and he's always been that kind of quarterback. He's not truly a precision player in a strict sense, the way you think of those kinds of quarterbacks. Um, I still think that they have to move more in that direction, and I think that Joe Brady is going to try to do that, and we'll talk about some of the things that they did. You know, you're trying to, to get him – you're trying to get him clean first reads so he can play more within structure and timing because that's the way the game is taught. And that's the way you'd like to be able to execute more often than not. But Allen is not truly that kind of guy. I mean, you know, he's, he's more of a, um, of an instinct player that has a ridiculous skill set um, and he can make some throws. I mean, the 81 yard touchdown to Shakir, which came versus cover three and was four verts. Uh, he was a beat late with that throw and he could not step into it. He basically sat on his back foot and drove the football. I mean, that throw probably went 35, 40 yards in the air. Not yep. a lot of guys are sitting on their back foot and driving that ball when they're a beat late, no. um, you know, and, and he can make those kinds of plays and we know he can make wonderful second reaction improvisational plays. Um, but you, you're trying to get him to play more within rhythm and structure just because your offense will be better if that occurs. Mm, yeah, I think, that, you know, watching them, it feels like this offense is at its best when they kind of go on the offensive. They get into their yes. hurry up. They do a lot of hurry up. They get into empty. They kind of spread you out. And that's where you see Josh Allen just kind of, I mean, he kind of takes over. And you mentioned like he's just a very instinctual player. That's where you kind of see that play style kind of settle in is the up-tempo, like point guard, right. we're going to play press. And that, that's how we're going to go. Uh, it feels like that's when he is most comfortable. Um, but then also that's where like, the QB run uh, element starts coming in. You see those yep. QB draws and some of those design plays. Uh, it's 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 something to watch when they, when they get rolling that way. I mean, he's the kind of quarterback that any given week, if he if he has one of those games, no matter what the defense is, he can be great. Now he can also not be great. Um, you know, and I think one myth about that offense. And again, I, I I've been fortunate enough to to do Bill's work for a number of years, so I've seen every game going back a long time. I don't think they're a super talented offense. You know, there's this myth that, man, this team has big-time talent. I, I don't think they really do. I think they're not terrible, but, you know, I don't think they, they're they one of those big-time talented offenses with just, you know, great players all around. Mm. I mean, Stephon Diggs is a good receiver, okay? But I think Stephon Diggs is a high-level possession receiver. Like, I would personally, based on tape study, I wouldn't put Diggs in the Justin Jefferson category. I wouldn't put Diggs in the Devontae Adams category. Maybe others disagree. I don't think he's quite that guy. Mm. So where do you, where are, what are his like uh, superhuman traits? What is it that makes him uh, the talent that he is in your mind? Uh, I think he's got really good separation quickness in the short intermediate area. I think he understands route running really, really at a high level. Um, I don't think unless it's, 
um, a schemed play that he's an over the top guy. I don't think he's a true vertical dimension. Yeah. Um, he's got really, really good hands. He catches everything. Um, so he's a really good player, but they don't really have a vertical dimension. Um, yeah. and that, that, I think that hurts them. Um, you know, we'll see what happens with Shakir, who I loved coming out of Boise. And I thought he could be a really good slot receiver in this league. He's in his second year. We'll see with Kincaid, who I know you and I both loved coming out of college. And, you know, he's starting to be more of a volume target. Um, we'll see how that plays out. Um, they ran the ball, you know, they've had games this year where they've run the ball with a little more volume, but they haven't really been a running team. That's the thing. Yeah. You know, they're not really a running team. So the question is, are they going to try to do more of that? They certainly did it last week against a really good defense and had some success. My, my feel in their run game, you know, they, they definitely major more in gap schemes, right? It's a lot of pulling guards, a lot of right. power. A lot well, of, they love to pull Dawkins. They yeah. love to pull Dawkins. So it's a lot, it's a lot of gap scheme runs. And with cook, you know, they're, they're trying to leverage his explosiveness. And he is more of like a perimeter and space player, uh, just like naturally. I don't think he's as uh, skilled as, as his brother is, even you know between the tackles, as Dalvin Cook is, uh, between the tackles, kind of in the muck. So watching him, it's like, okay, they, they're trying to get a lot of these gap scheme runs to get him out on the edge. But then when you watch those, like more of those at-you runs, or the, more of the downhill gap schemes with like Latavius Murray, Right. It feels a little bit a little bit more effective when they go into those kind of schemes as opposed to more of those perimeter plays. But as you mentioned, they were able to get some of those perimeter plays cooking uh, here this week with James Cook. I, I didn't even mean to do that uh, play on words, but I, they, I think that that's kind of where that offense is a little is a little bit more effective is when they're coming at you straight downhill. That said, with some of the, the success that the Chiefs had with those misdirection plays this week uh, against the Eagles, I wonder if they kind of steal some of those plays out of the playbook and, and try and do Possible. similar kinds of concepts. I mean, again, you know, everything that you and I talk about is tape study based. So it's yeah. not, a case of, you know, we're not looking to say anything negative about coaches. But one thing I've always felt watching the Bills offense is I didn't think there was any kind of synchronicity or marriage between their run game and their pass game and their right. play action pass game. And I think you really want that. And and we'll see if, if that's something that Joe Brady moves toward. You know, I always felt like the pass game was its own separate entity. And then they call some runs. Yeah, I do feel like that's how that is uh, can be harder to do when you do major in those shotgun gap scheme stuff or the, 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 I shotgun, agree. the shotgun gap scheme play actions don't hit as hard as like the uh, no, uh, no, the, uh, the under and, center. And, gap and Alan has had success this year under center, by the way. And, yeah. you know, I I'm curious to see if they're going to do more of it. Um, yeah. He's also been an empty, you know, which is obviously Fine, not yep. under center. He's been yeah, an empty right. more than any quarterback in the league. Yeah. Um, so we'll see. But uh, but they can be extremely explosive in any given game, or they can struggle. That's right. been their mo this year. You just don't know what it's going to be. One game sample, obviously, with Joe Brady. But was there something that stood out to you as like, okay, this is something that was a little bit different this week versus what you have seen from Josh Allen in this offense over the last few years? Yeah, I, I don't know if the numbers ultimately truly reflect it, but watching the tape, it, it was more noticeable to me. And and again, I wasn't looking for, it, but it seemed to me there was a greater use of motion. I mean, mm. I noticed that right off the bat. And again, I, you know, I didn't chart the motions or look at every game they had. Maybe the numbers don't reflect that, but it just seemed watching the tape as if there was more extensive use of motion. 
Uh, I believe the number is 60%. I was actually just, uh, I was texting with Mike Quick a little bit ago, just talking through Eagles game plan this week. And he actually wanted to have the, wanted to have that discussion about their, their increased use of motion. And he, he the number he gave was 60%. I haven't had a chance to, uh, to check against that yet. I'm sure Mike's right on that. Uh, but on the year, they're at under 50%. So that would be a, a marked yeah, so that would be uh, an increase. increase. Yeah. 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 And it, it was, it was noticeable right off the bat. Yeah. Um, you know, Diggs was in motion, in different motions, multiple kinds of motions right away. Um, you know, so I imagine they're going to continue to do that and build upon yeah. it. Yeah. I, and look, we talked about the uh, the plan that the Eagles had for Travis Kelsey. You're going you're to try and replicate some of that stuff, you know, here for Stefan Diggs. And honestly, like in certain spots, it wouldn't shock me if Kincaid uh, was a guy that they yeah, tried to yeah. make sure that they try and take away uh, because he has become much more of a volume target since Dawson Knox went on injured reserve a few weeks ago. Uh, so that will be something to watch here in this game. One nugget I did uh, unearth here on, on Stefan Diggs. You talk about you know, the second reaction throws and Josh Allen being able to make plays outside of structure. When I, I did a piece last week on the uh, Mahomes and Kelsey connection and outside of structure and making plays, you know, as a scrambler, uh, the only player that has been targeted more when the quarterback has pushed off his spot was Stefan Diggs. Uh, as right, opposed to, right. and so he, yeah. he leads the NFL uh, in those kind of targets. So it's certainly in those situations. Well, they end up throwing it to Diggs there. a lot because quite frankly, the other receivers, you know, like I said, I don't know if they're their receivers they feel they can count on every week. Mm. They're not going to say that, but I mean, I think it plays out that way. Uh, offensive line wise, any, any big takeaways, you know, good or bad in your mind? I think they're they're pretty much an average group. Uh, you know, yep. I don't think it's a great group. I think the right tackle's beatable, and I think they're they're probably going to be in a situation where they might have to chip as well with yep. Spencer Brown working against Hassan Reddick. Yeah, I would imagine in their mind they would want that chipper to be Quentin Morris, uh, who's much more of a, a blocker certainly than yes. Kincaid. Uh, that is well, not Kincaid's strong suit right now. No, but the question is then, what does that mean from a personnel standpoint? Personnel standpoint, no doubt. Are they going to be in eleven? Or are they going to be twelve in twelve? Yep. Well, it's uh, that'll be a big, big, certainly a big topic to follow uh, throughout the course of this game. Let's go over to the other side. And to me, like, yeah, Craig, this is a this is a unit that, first of all, typically a normal year when this group is healthy, you and I have t- talked about Buffalo, and it's like, a, like this is an execution style defense. Like they do what they do. Yeah, they're they're you know design some designer blitzes, and they can get home. Uh, it can be a very effective blitzing team, but they want to play zone coverage and rush with four, and they're and they're going to rally yeah. the football and be good tacklers and be sound against the run. Um, and that has been the case for much of Sean McDermott's tenure. Um, but they've gotten a little bit older. Uh, I think you're starting to see the age catch up uh, a little bit with guys like Teron Johnson, uh, with the safety tandem, uh, certainly with guys like Von Miller who haven't been there this whole time, but I think you're starting to see that a little bit. And then injuries have set in. uh, Matt Milano, Tredavious White, Daquan Jones. Like you, you lose all three of those guys on top of losing Tremaine Edmonds in free agency. Uh, and this, this unit has just struggled to kind of bounce back from that. And now it's just kind of a, a flash unit as opposed to just like the down to down, consistently dominant group that we've expected over the last three, four years. And I think Milano is the key. I mean, I remember three, four years ago, cause I, you know, like I said, I do Buffalo. So I've watched him telling the guys in Buffalo, I maybe going back four years. Matt Milano is a great football player. Yeah. And I think that is such a big loss for them. Now it's been a good part of the season now, but yeah, they're not, they rely on their front four for the most part. They'll blitz on occasion. Yep. It's selective. They can be very successful when they do they it. They can their be pressure, very good with it. Their pressure rate's very good when they do it. Um, they'll play man once in a while, uh, but they're predominantly a, I think they've played as much split safety shell coverage as any team in the league mm-hmm. uh, percentage wise. That's their foundation. Um, and, you know, they have certain games where they get a lot of sacks, but 
I'd be hard pressed to think that's going to happen against the Eagles O line. So they're, I mean, to me, they're somewhat of a beatable defense. Yeah. But I think up front, that's kind of what you're looking at right now is like that, that can be the, the, uh, the group that kind of tilts the game in Buffalo's favor. Um, just because like they, they have had some success Ed Oliver, he's having a career year. He just got that yeah. big contract this off season. Uh, they don't regret that yet. Uh, he has been very productive. He's been disruptive against the pass and against the run. He leads them in, uh, in pressures. He's been able to get after the quarterback, Greg Rousseau continuing to, to make strides as well. Uh, former first round pick out of Miami, still a very young player. Uh, Leonard Floyd, uh, has been productive. So, uh, they've, got some guys up front that are able to get after you and then they'll they'll rotate as well they've got a lot of guys uh that they play up front and so uh that would be a group and a matchup to, to certainly watch going into this game yeah and they just haven't been able to solidify the, the second linebacker spot in their nickel next to terrell bernard i yeah. mean you know, that's just they played a lot of guys they played dotson who's been there they played the rookie from tulane dorian williams yeah. you know yeah. they just haven't been able to solidify that yeah, Dorian Williams right now, he's only playing in base, and this is a team that plays base at, like, the lowest percentage in the league. I know, they they I know. live in sub. So, uh, you know, disappointing so far that the rookie hasn't been able to kind of take the bull by the horns. Uh, but Dotson has played the majority of those snaps. Former U- uh, undrafted free agent in 2019 coming out of Texas A&M, an undersized player. Um, so, you know, they're, they're definitely missing Milano there uh, in that spot. But Bernard has certainly – he's taken a – certainly has taken a step. I mean, he's made some no, plays he's coverage. A, he's good uh, and, but yeah. he play, play, makes some plays downhill as a blitzer and against the run. Uh, so he has become a flash player for them as well. No, he's been a good player. Uh, he's had a good season. And they've got the two really good safeties, Poyer and Hyde, veterans. Uh, they know how to play. They know what they see. They're quick reactors. Uh, they're just really good players. Corner has been a little bit of an issue. The guy who's, you know, has really hurt the fact that he's never come on and therefore doesn't even play is Kair Elam. I mean, he's, yeah. he's a healthy scratch most of the time. Yeah. So, that, so they had a trade for Douglas, who's now starting. Solid pro. We know that. Um, yep. You know, Bedford's yeah, two, been two picks this week. Uh, Russell Douglas, yeah, Bedford and Jackson have played a ton of snaps at corner. Um, so you know, I, we'll see. I mean, I think they're probably beatable on the outside. Yeah, I think that's uh, you know certainly a matchup. You talk about okay, this can tilt things in the favor uh, for the Bills. I think you look at the receivers and the pass catchers for the Eagles going up against the Bills back I would end. Agree. That would be the one that could tilt it certainly in the Eagles' favor. Uh, you know, Dane Jackson. I like the player, uh, but you know him versus AJ Brown, him versus Devontae Smith. Like you kind of like those. Uh, you like you like the Eagles you like those matchups. in those scenarios. Yes, you like those matchups. So yeah, uh, if so. the Eagles can block it up, that would be something to watch for sure. Well, Greg, uh, appreciate the time as always. Happy Thanksgiving to you. Happy. Thanksgiving to your family uh, and everybody over at NFL Matchup. I know you guys have a busy week, a short week. Appreciate your time. And we'll talk to you next week here on the Eagle Island Sky podcast. Same to you. Appreciate it. And uh, this was fun. Great stuff there from Greg. Thanks to him and thanks to all of you out there for your continued support of this show and all the rest of our X's and O's content here with Eagles Entertainment. That being said, I think that'll do it. Another show in the books here on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. For everybody here at the Novacare Complex, I am Fran Duffy. Happy Thanksgiving. And we'll talk to you later this week.